God, we have just heard your word, your difficult word. Open us up to what you would have us hear. Open me up to what you would have me say. And have the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you this day. Amen. Okay. So let's talk about metaphors. Um, did most of you learn about metaphors and similes at some point in school? Do those words sound familiar? Uh, metaphors are a way of using words that describe something that might not be easy to describe. Uh, so like in terms of the Christian life and our transformation, there in the scriptures that I read this morning, there are three different metaphors or images for, for what happens um, in our lives. There was fire, there was harvesting, and then there was bearing fruit or talking about fruit trees. Um, one of my favorite metaphors for our, our spiritual journey is this idea of fire um, and what fire can do for us. Um, my As you know, I'm an engineer. And so when I was in school, I had several different classes about uh, minerals and mineral processing. I took a material science and engineering course um, that I really enjoyed. Everyone else seemed to not really like it, but I thought it was great fun. Um, and, and, you know, like if I had the, I would say disposition and probably wasn't a female, I would have maybe gone and worked at a steel mill or, you know, some kind of place. Cause I love smelting. I just think it's so awesome. Like how, um, when, when any kind of metal is liquefied, any of the impurities rise to the top and get separated out or burned off. And that idea has always been one of these things that has stuck in my head about our, about our Christian journey, about how when we get to know God, God burns things away. Uh, and it can be painful sometimes, but we're always better or more holy on the other side. Um, and so one of the things I think needs to be clarified especially for the two scripture passages for this morning is that in Hebrew, there wasn't a difference between relational knowing and informational knowing because in, at least according to the commentary that I was reading, all knowledge is experiential and relational. Um, so like having information about, uh, let's say dinosaurs, for example, um, that knowledge wouldn't be so great in the Hebrew language because we don't have experience of that. It wouldn't be full knowledge as we heard uh, in scripture. And so there's, there's a difference, I think, between knowing about and knowing. Um, and I think, unfortunately or fortunately, um, depending on your perspective, I think the church is better at knowing about than actually knowing God. Uh, 
because otherwise this church would be full. If we knew about God and knew God and were able to <laughs> convey that to people, the church, I, I think churches would be full or we would have, you know, some kind of different thing happening. Um, and part of that, that we're better at knowing about than knowing is because of what has happened over the last four to 500 years, right? We've had the enlightenment, uh, the scientific method has become very popular and people care very much about facts. Um, you know, if you can't prove it, then it doesn't exist, right? And so lots and lots of different people have written books about, you know, proving God and all these other kind of things. And I think that's important to know who God is. That's why we have scripture, right? To, to give us God's character, to show us who God is, to remind us. It's very important. But knowing what scripture says does not equal knowing God. And I think we all know people who can quote scripture, but they're horrible people. Like you just don't want to be around them. So, you know, knowing scripture does not mean that we know God and are reflecting the holy of this God that, uh, that we say we follow. And uh, I was talking to Phil and Terry last week about how I love me some Old Testament prophets. And today we have not only an Old Testament prophet, but a New Testament prophet. And for me, Advent doesn't start until John the Baptist calls the Pharisees and Sadducees the brood of vipers. Like that just... It's so weird, but it gets my blood pumping. I'm like, yes, all right, now we're in it, right? It's I acknowledge that it's odd. Um, but it's funny because, well, for lots of reasons. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees were basically the ruling bodies of the Sanhedrin. Now, the Pharisees were a lot smaller in number um, in terms of representation. Like, they were the minority on the Sanhedrin, which was the kind of governing body of the temple. Um, but they were popular with common people um, with they, cause they were a lay brotherhood and they were connected to local synagogues. So they had a lot of influence in terms of uh, people's practice and, and what their, what their Jewishness looked like. We'll say that the Sadducees on the other hand were the majority, but they came from more of an aristocratic and priestly influence. So a lot of them maybe were from the Levite tribe and, and because of this uh, priestly and aristocratic influence, they derived their authority from the activities in the temple. Um, so you have the lay people who are kind of out influencing what's happening in the synagogues and different meeting places. And then you have uh, the people who are gaining authority from the work at the temple. And part of why a lot of people didn't like the Sadducees was because they actually supported Rome's rule. Um, and a lot of common folk weren't okay with the extreme taxation and the threats of violence that happened every day. And so we hear in both Isaiah and John the Baptist about this call of, um, call to repentance and, and what it looks like to be part of the kingdom of God. And so John calls out the Pharisees and the Sadducees and questions their motivation. He's like, why are you here? Like, what are you doing? 
because in part, um, he probably thought that they were there to like, oh, this is where all the people are going. We can influence them or, you know, we can gain political favor or whatever it was, right? Like they, it was potentially a power play. And, and John calls them out, not only for showing up, but also for claiming that in some ways they didn't need to have this baptism of repentance because they were children of Abraham. Like they, they claimed their lineage um, as the chosen people. And they, they kind of stood on that for their salvation. And then John the Baptist says, well, if there weren't any children of Abraham left, God could raise them up from these stones. It's kind of like in the creation poem at the beginning of Genesis, uh, where God creates something essentially from nothing. Um, God's like, you don't have to worry about that. If I want children of Abraham, I'll just make them, um, which is kind of John's message. And so one of these things that, that I think is really important when we read this kind of stuff, um, especially in scripture, is looking at why people are called out for what they're doing. Um, you know, what's the motivation? What is, what's going wrong in, in the scripture? And basically, like I said before, John is questioning the Pharisees and Sadducees motivation. Um, it might be kind of a, like, oh, well, we'll go do this and we'll get baptized uh, as a cover our butts kind of thing. Like, oh, if the Messiah is really coming, then, you know, I'm going to hedge my bets here. Um, and so the question that arose for me as I was preparing was, so if, if our salvation, because we are grafted into the family of Abraham, um, if it's not from our lineage, our lineage, or not how well we know or keep the law, then what is it? And I think we hear that in, um, we hear what it is in this Isaiah passage where it talks about the shoot coming out from the stump of Jesse. Um, I've been in a Bible study with a couple friends. We're just kind of doing on our own and we're reading through first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. We have, I think we're getting to Isaiah, a couple parts of Isaiah soon. And it's like, oh yeah, because most of the, well, I should say many of the Kings of Judah and all of the Kings of Israel, when they split apart uh, after Solomon to to quote scripture, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Um, they didn't follow God's ways. And so this imagery of the stump of Jesse, because Jesse is David's father. Like if we remember, you know, the, the sons and the sons and sons. Um, David was the last son of Jesse. Um, and in this Isaiah passage, it talks about what kind of Messiah, what kind of king we will have, a spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Messiah will have a spirit of counsel and might. This is, the Messiah will have the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. 
and in um, in one of the verses, it talks about how righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness will be a sash around his waist. Um, the commentaries that I was reading said that those words don't quite give the intimacy of how close to the skin um, those things were. So like basically the Messiah will have underpants of righteousness and faithfulness. Like they will be, you know, right next to his skin they will be part of who he is uh, and that's how the messiah will judge and so for me putting these two scriptures together it's okay well if that's who the messiah is if that's what we we say that we worship uh, then how are we supposed to reflect that you know because john the baptist was calling out the pharisees and sadducees who clearly thought they were following the law and clearly thought that they were doing God's will and told them they were full of junk, basically. Um, they had missed the mark. And so not only do we get as Christians, this baptism of repentance that John offered people, but also we get the baptism of Holy Spirit and fire, getting back to my favorite metaphor. There's, there's a passion, there's a commitment when we, when we follow God. Um, sometimes we get tired, absolutely. But we bear good fruit as this, both scriptures actually talk about. Um, and then it goes back to, you know, the nine week sermon series that I did on the fruit of the spirit. What is the fruit that we're bearing? And there's something to me really important about reflecting the holy. I have worked with iconography and some different things and especially even in spiritual direction with the work that I do, um, we talk about holding a gaze of love. And so, you know, we are gazing on our clients with love. God is gazing on them with love. Um, God is gazing on me with love. And we're called to look for that and deepen that and help, at least as a spiritual director and coach, I get to help people deepen their relationship with God or themselves, depending on the, um, the situation. And that's part of how we go about our work as Christians. We're called to reflect the holy and also see it in other people. And the one um, sentence that I wrote down that is uh, a direct quote from the Isaiah uh, New International Version commentary is this, the Messiah will make it possible for all people to know God intimately. If you need a sentence for what the gospel's about, I think that's a pretty good one. Uh, Jesus makes it possible for us to be reconciled and in relationship with a God who, who in a lot of ways is unfathomable, who is so far beyond anything that we could know. We need some kind of translator and the Messiah does that for us. And so how, how do we go about reflecting the holy? I think it's, it starts with prayer. 
Um, and it can be a really simple thing every morning. You know, if you still have the bulletins from the Fruit of the Spirit uh, sermon series, you can pray that prayer every morning. Um, that's a fairly broad umbrella prayer, like apart from, you know, simply praying, Jesus help me. I think that other, the other prayer has more words, but um, it's about the same kind of thing. And as I was thinking about this, um, this is what I wrote um, for us today. And this prayer will end our, our time. God, show us who you are. Help us reflect your righteousness and justice that is born in love to the world. Help us know you intimately so that we can tell others of your love and grace and show our relationship with you and how it's transformed us from the inside out. Amen.